morning crew. Good morning, Tarleton. Morning, mate. How are you doing? Freaking amazing this fine, cold Tuesday morning. Bloody freezing. It is bloody freezing. Um, thank you so much for all your feedback uh, from a couple of weeks ago with our uh, interview with Christian. As we said, the podcast got a bit of a different flavour to it uh, with us bringing on some special guests. It does, and we've brought a new one on this week, mate. Yeah, exactly. So we, um, in an attempt to do some uh, research and analysis uh, for this uh, podcast, we, we, we tried to, to delve into the usual social profile and media profiles of this yeah, individual. Much Literally zero <laughs> luck. Um, so, um, Amando, welcome to the uh, welcome to the Coffee Next Tuesday podcast. Thank you, guys. Thanks for having me. So today we're gonna we're gonna try to tackle the, the topic of, of privacy, and you're somebody that takes privacy um, very very seriously, as as your own right as as you should. Um, so, Amando's not your real name, um, and but we. We didn't just find you off the street somewhere. Do you want to give us a bit of a background without giving away who you are? Yeah, absolutely. Thanks, guys. So, look, um, I, my background's in engineering. I've been in part of the tech industry for, geez, going on almost two decades now. So, um, background in program build, uh, programming, background in actually running websites and getting a glimpse into the internet underneath the covers. And that's kind of where I've driven down this privacy path. So. Can you give us a bit of an understanding of how seriously you take this privacy? So for me, for me and, and people like Dom, uh, we, we used an analogy before that we, we don't go to the bathroom with the door open, but I have no issues with the amount of analytics that Facebook pulls on me. Whereas, and, and, and obviously other, other, other tech in our daily lives, can you tell me how you, how you tackle the privacy? Just to frame that a little bit further is we don't know what we don't know. So we don't know what sure. these organizations are using that information to do. Yep. So um, this is a bit of a learning experience for you and I, as well as our audience, to understand you know, some of the mechanisms that you know, these big corporates uh, are using to, you know, with our data. Yeah, no, it's a great point, guys. And look, there's a, there's a lot of facets to privacy. As you mentioned, the bathroom door. Nobody leaves the bathroom door from public. We close it. You know, that's pretty much taken as red. But if we look at the history of the internet, if you remember back, and Charlton, you're way too young to remember any of this, but <laughs> when magazines used to get sent out, they used to come with this little card inside that asked your age, your gender, how much money you made, how many kids you had. And you would look at that and you go, who would fill that out? But nowadays, we're openly giving that information. We're giving away pictures of our our kids and our dogs and our houses and our properties and everything else. So I think there was from that point when the internet was born to where we are today where we have kind of a laissez-faire attitude towards our privacy and security. Now, from my perspective, I take it to the extreme. And, I, and when everything I'm gonna talk about today doesn't mean I'm anti-social media. It's just unfortunate that social media became the corporate, corporate surveillance, and now to a degree, a government surveillance platform. They are actively, the NSA, ASIOs, everybody's using social media to do criminal investigations, things like that. And they're harvesting that data and storing and analyzing it. Now, from my perspective, there was a time when social media was social media was fun. Again, you're way too young to remember MySpace, but there was this website called MySpace where people could post pictures and it was fun and it was innocent. But they're not that young. <laughs> So then there was a shift where, and I'll credit Google with this, Google was the one who really started with ad, I forgot the early days, early days, but it was called AdSense or something else, where they started to monetize. And we used to always have clicks, and you see little ads on the screen, we could block those, things like that. But Google kind of really took the profiling to the next level. And they started scanning the Gmails, doing all these things. 
I met a I met a Google engineer in Silicon Valley once who said um, the public would be frightened if they saw how much data the company holds on them. And that's not just Google. That's Twitter now. That's Facebook. That's even LinkedIn. LinkedIn is a horrible violator of privacy as well. Um, and we all just yeah. like click accept click on, those, right? on those you privacy do. You do. It's terms right. of service. And look, I get that. It, it, you know, there's an old saying in the corporate world. Uh, it's not corporate world. In, in, if, if, if the service is free, you're the goods being sold. And most people accept the terms of service and say, I'm okay with that. I'm, I'm, I, I want the convenience. Hannah, that's a really big point that you just made there. If the goods are free, then you are the service you that's are being sold. It's a nice line, isn't it? Yeah. And wow. where, where you really draw on the line now is I actually read, I'm probably one of the few people who reads the privacy policies and the terms of service. And what really gets me nowadays is they're so confident, they're so blazing in these data acquisition techniques, they will actually still on-sell your data even when you're paying them for the service. I have many apps that I used to respect and use only to find out that their privacy policy for a, 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 a premium model of a subscription is still selling my data. Now that's your ISP, that's other services as well that you're paying, they're packaging up your data nicely and selling it to the highest bidder. And when we say data, um, these are like there's something Facebook has something like four. I'm, I'm the number could have changed. The last time I checked, it was around forty thousand different data acquisition points that Facebook holds on you. So if you saw a dossier on yourself from Facebook or Google, I think you would step back and go, I don't want to live in that world. For me, that's why I'm here where I am today because I had that realization a few years ago when I started scratching the service. There's a, also a framework called the OSIP framework, and you can Google that. Look up OSIP framework. These are open source tools. If you research yourself on there, you'll be blown away at what you'll find. Right. So, from my perspective, it's it's these some of these big big brands that you just mentioned: Google, Facebook, LinkedIn. They're so intrinsic with our within our lives right now and, and, and in our careers. How do you go about you know your digital life? How do you search webs? How do you you know what's your version of Google? Yeah. So. I use CRX or DuckDuckGo for searching. Um, I have, and they're all an anonymous search engines. Yeah, yep. no. What we're looking for is no logs. So VPN all the time. Use Tor browser whenever you can, and Tor browser can be inconvenient if you're running JavaScript things like that. Um, if you're a Facebook user, Facebook has a, an onion, a dot onion address. So I mean, you could still have a foot, a toe in the social media pool or the online pool. But what you want to do is you just want to separate. You want to break the the chain, and that chain is going from the metadata on your iPhone to your laptop, to your office, to your home, your Nest thermostat, all these things. You just want to really break those linkages. So it doesn't mean that you're exist you have to basically you know, give up cooked food and, and go hide in a shelter somewhere. I mean, you just really, what you want to do is understand how they track you, look at the underpinnings of how that is, and then break those linkages. So your fingerprint's always changing, your IP address is always changing via VPNs. Um, Tor Browser's a good one for, you just want to read news sites. I mean, one of the things is, it's kind of like, Tor Browser's kind of like a condom for the internet. You're just, you're out in the world, but you're protecting that basic OS fingerprinting, your identity, cookies, all that stuff that just, they just snatch that stuff up. When you have a, a Chrome or a Firefox session open, all those cookies are melded together and they're cross-tracking each other and your data is just being given away. So what you're doing on one site is ready available to another site. And that's what we're trying to avoid. I think that's a, that's a really fair point. I think, you know, we, we mentioned at the start, you, you don't know what you don't know. and um, So obviously you're not on social media at all. In fact, your household's not on social media at all, right? But you do... Um, you do some tracking and some analytics of 
uh, requests to go out that, that you yep. block. Can you share some, some insights on that to, to put some numbers in, in front of people? Yeah, um, I mean, so the internet I was sharing with you guys previously, um, I just got a URL report from my house, um, which uses a VPN and everything, so we're, we, we don't give our data away to our ISP either. So but for the, just stop you there, for the simple-minded, a URL report is addresses like www. Yeah, something. Every, then, every then, URL that every device within my home network goes to, or yeah. all of our devices can VPN through home to get some of those privacy protections. I just interesting enough, just looking at the week, literally got the report this morning for the last seven days, we had almost eight and a half thousand requests to Facebook. Well, the interesting thing about that is that nobody in my house has a Facebook account, but wow. yet we are making eight and a half thousand calls to Facebook um, over a week period. Wow. So you've a month, a year, that's a lot and of And that's, that's from uh, embedded ads? Embedded JavaScript on nearly every page. So if you remember, I mean, the most obvious one is the Facebook like button mm -hmm. on every web page you see. But that's also LinkedIn, Twitter, everything else has these. But now what they've done is they obfuscate that through JavaScript on underlying page. So there's a URL called graph.facebook.com. That's pretty much on every page. And what that is is basically an analytics tracker that now follows you around the internet. Right. And so can you just step step the simple-minded through? Um, you know, if, if you were building a website that had these you know embedded tools in it. What are you calling, like what, like what are you going to Facebook to search about? What are you trying to understand about the user's profile? What are they trying to gather? Yeah, yeah, so, well, so it's, yeah. It, 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 yeah. So obviously from their perspective, it's building the most relevant ad, most targeted advertising. But if you also look at the Cambridge Analytica scandal with Facebook, the way they were doing the psychology testing on their users, they're also building these profiles so they can polarize you they can push an agenda, they can do lots of different things. And one analogy I like to do to break this down, because you asked the question, you know, the why. Let me give you one example, because this is a, our audience is a corporate audience. Let's say that, let's say there's 100 people in the office, and I know, and I control the data. So I can control the future, because if I know how much everybody makes, who talks to who, how often, the content of their conversations, um, their illnesses, what they claim on their insurance. If, imagine if I had this pool of data for my 100 employees. How could I manipulate them? What could I do? I could plant seeds, I could polarize them. If I knew somebody was on a visa and they couldn't leave the company, am I gonna give them a raise? Or am I gonna push them down a path, especially if I want them out of the company? You know what I mean? Like, you could think about why do the governments, why do these corporations want this data? They want it because they can control I mean, control of the future is a bit optimistic, but they can manipulate an outcome, or they can target you, either polarizing or advertising perspective. So you think about data is power, and that's why the governments want want the data, and that's why the corporations want the data. That's um, that's huge because that's one of the biggest things that scares me about the future is is that you know by giving um, these these platforms access to our our insights and what we're what we're thinking by searching functions and all that sort of stuff like you know to use my example right now um, you know I'm searching a lot I'm traveling um, I'm traveling coming up and, and I'm searching a lot about the area that we're going to and and, and understanding the, that ability for those organizations to know where I'm going I'm suddenly exposing a risk to myself I'm, I'm exposing the fact that I'm actually not going to be home yep. I'm exposing you know I, I suppose the targeted ads is a nice feature. I don't mind getting targeted ads because. So you don't yeah. mind sending an email to your wife. Let's let's take a trip on G and then going on your Instagram or your Facebook and all your Gmail said Fiji. All of a sudden your Facebook and your Instagram have Fiji, you know, destinations. That doesn't 
bother you? In I some suppose capacity? from a from a Gmail perspective, it concerns me, and it's something that's been growing as a you know a, a red flag to see the ads that are coming up relevant to the you know the private emails that I'm sending out to you know insurance companies or whatever. Yeah, it might it's, be. it's. I mean, the, the whole lay is for me is, is not is not the issue. So the the Fiji ad is not the issue. It's the uh, the email to your lawyer about a divorce and now you're getting divorce ads it's, it's that I think it's that change from an ad from a yep. you know but from from a product to something that's quite personal but Tarleton you bring up a great point now you're because you know those linkages are there and you, if you don't know how to get away from them you start and this is the next big thing with lack of privacy is self-censorship if you're curious about how to do something or an inoperable cancer that data could be sold to your insurance company at some point, and here you are researching apple cancer because you heard it mentioned in a conversation somewhere, or maybe you're curious about the anarchist cookbook or something. You just want to go read about how to do okay, these things. Okay, so that's huge. So, so self-censorship is one of the biggest issues with the whole privacy and this, this metadata collection that's going on. So that's a really important point, right? So let's frame this correctly. You've got um, a six-year-old, you know, single um, single woman. Um, she's uh, researching new in, um, uh, insurance, uh, private health insurance uh, companies, and those private health companies. She requests a quote. Those private health insurance companies have the ability to be able to go in, analyze the the profile data of that user of, yep. the, of the information that they've purchased off these big data companies. And they can go, okay, well, you know, Mrs. Jones, she's recently searched uh, lung cancer, she's recently searched all these things. How to quit smoking. How to quit smoking, all those wonderful things. But hang on a second, she's ticked on that, on that, um, on that, um, on the form saying that um, she's a non-smoker. That's maybe perceived as a higher risk, deny that person the insurance. Yep. Or offer that person that, that the insurance at a 50% premium or an increased premium. At the raw, that's basically what you're telling us as, as, as the capability of these organizations now. Yeah, I mean, that's absolutely happening today. There's no doubt about it. It's been proven time and time again. Um, the linkage is though what we really want to talk about. And the self-censorship side is, is my real concern because you're less likely to go out and seek out these things or these activities that you just may have an interest in. Or, because you, you know, know of, you know, because you know that I mean, there's a, um, you know, that there's an outcome that's, that's well, going to be bad for yeah, you. Well, it's not say your insurance premium is going to arrive, you go search cancer, but the point is you don't want to start getting cancer treatment ads and, you're, and some platform you weren't even searching on you wanted to read about because you wanted to read about grandma's cancer. Yeah. That's, that's the point. I mean, nothing to hide, nothing to fear is a misnomer because we all have something to hide. You know, the, the government tries to say that, you know, if you, you let us search your phone, let us search your, your laptop, but you wouldn't let the police come search your house. You, if they knocked on your door tomorrow and said, we want to search your house, you'd say, how is your email, your Facebook, you have any different? Yeah. Don't, that mind message is don't, don't fall in that trap of saying you got nothing to hide. That's, that's a really important point there because you think about it, imagine like a Google representative knocking on your door saying, hey, do you mind if we just like yep. have a look around for a little bit and check out what model TV you've got? Or just walk Yeah, around. so that's, that's, that's the difference, right? So I would let the police search my house, right? But I wouldn't allow a Google executive or a Google I wouldn't let Google to turn up and, and knock on my door yeah. and say, can I look in your house? So Tarleton so brings up a good difference. point. There's a line between corporations and the government. Yeah. You know, he's saying he would let the police, he's got nothing to hide, he's got nothing to fear. That's understandable, but you're not gonna let you're not gonna let Mark Zuckerberg come no. and walk around your house and then put a, a billboard and I'd maybe let Zuckerberg save me some cash. <laughs> <laughs> but absolutely right. And it's that, you know, where is that line? 
I, I'm just conscious of time. I'm really interested to see, or to understand where you started on the, you know, the, the path to, to, to stronger privacy. Is it something that you've, you've had from the beginning, from those magazine days, or was there an event that, that pushed you no, to I, be for me, it, For me, it was that conversation I had with Google engineer a long time ago. How long ago was it? How long ago was this conversation? Um, oh, probably six years ago now, if, six, seven if, years ago. You know, if, they're, if, they're comf if they're saying things, you know, we would be concerned about what they had six years ago, yeah. it's safe to say that six years later... Frightened be, was the word he used. We would be frightened. It extremely would, frightened. It would be, it would be multi thousand times multiples of what they have now, given the speed oh, of the internet. Absolutely. But you look at like Equifax, you look at Axiom, you look at um, Oracle, all these, all these data brokers out there, they literally have billions of people collectively with tens of thousands of pieces of data collected. And when you click on a link now and you see that ad pop up, that's actually in a microsecond going out and being sold to brokers in real time. Don't, under don't, don't undermine the value of your data and your private data. They're making money on you, the things you're doing, the things you're saying, who you're talking to, and sell on selling it. You're not getting a cut of that. And, for, and that's why it bothers me when, when there is a paid service and they're still selling your data. To me, that is such a violation of user trust. Most of us won't read the terms of service and therefore we just click accept and, and get on with our lives. Right, right. Um, so from, from your perspective, what are, some of the, what are some of the measures? I mean, you've already mentioned Thor and those sort of things. So um, what are some of the measures, you know, two or three of them that you could think of that a layman's person could start to implement in their, in their lives today? Use alternatives, Signal instead of WhatsApp, Signal Messenger instead of WhatsApp. Use DuckDuckGo or StartPage or CRX.me for searching. Um, social media is hard because they've all pretty much sold out. LinkedIn, massive tracking site, Microsoft through Windows 10, lots of telemetry. Um, so social media is probably the hard one. A decentralized social media probably doesn't exist today, so that would be the hardest one. So my advice would be to break those linkages. Use ProtonMail or Tutanoto or one of those email providers. Get away from Gmail. Um, try to get away from Instagram, Instagram, all these things. And if you are going to use them, use them in a container. Um, Firefox just recently released Firefox containers in, in the Firefox browser. That will help segregate a lot of that cross-cookie traffic and, again, limit your tracking. And then if you're into things like Reddit and everything else and you want to read, read your news sites in the morning, use Tor browser. There's no reason not to. Sure, it's not the greatest, it does break JavaScript and things like that, but for general reading, general browsing, looking things up, researching grandma's you know, leukemia or cancer treatments, browsers, Tor browsers still the best option we have. Okay, so some really, really cool points there that you can, that you can, you can look at. Um, so what are, what are some other red flags that you can see out there that we might not have covered off in this, in this conversation that would, that would shock people? Oh, geez, where do I start? I mean, there's, it's, it's a hard topic because I think the biggest takeaway I have for, for people who listen to this is go and, for one, research open source data sources, look up yourself, and learn about the data, you know, learn about the information that's out there about you and what you're giving away and why it's valuable. Facebook didn't acquire Instagram and WhatsApp for billions of dollars because they like us and they want us to take selfies and, and chat with our friends. They're making a lot of money off that, off that metadata, off your photos. 
I think if you do your homework and, like I said, scratch beneath the surface a bit, you'll find that you don't want to participate. So that, that gives context to the reason why organizations like Microsoft, as an example, go and invest in Skype and LinkedIn, and, and, LinkedIn and, and whatnot, right? Absolutely, because the metadata, you hear a lot in discussion today around metadata. You know, Google openly said now they do not read our email addresses anymore because the actual content of the message is less valuable than the metadata. Same with WhatsApp. If you remember WhatsApp said they actually implemented the signal encryption protocol yeah, between then, users yep. because they don't care about that. What they want to know is that Dom talks to Tarleton. Dom sent Tarleton's link. Tarleton clicked on that link. How often do you guys talk? The size of the messages. That's what they want to know. The IP that from, that you did that from, which gives away the location. Don't actually care about the content. They don't care about the content because they're building up this, this, this profile which is then linked to your Instagram, which is linked to your WhatsApp and your Facebook profile and they can link all that stuff together and they can paint a very accurate picture of who you guys are, what your interests are, where you guys cross, and then all your friends. And, and, and the reason too is I think be conscious private, we talk about things like LinkedIn. Damn you guys if you upload your contacts to LinkedIn because now you've given them my address, my phone number, my email address as well. Right. That, that's where then you're drawing a line where you're starting to throw your colleagues and your friends and your family out to these companies as well. So. That's where I think you can make the biggest strides is, is segment and, um, So I've got, I've got another question um, just quickly around the security element. Um, so, you know, we talk about, or you see organizations now getting breached and, and having, you know, sensitive corporate data leaked um, on, the, on the internet and the dark web and those sorts of things. Um, from a, I suppose, from a corporation perspective, can you give us a couple of things that they could look at? And also from a, tie that back from a personal perspective, what you could do um, to protect from a security standpoint. Yeah, so look, final thoughts on that. I think the data breaches should be a red flag for everybody. So two things on that. Data breaches, I mean, we these are companies we trust. And this is going from social media to credit card companies to banks. These are people we trust. We give them our data willingly, and they prove in time and time again. Look at, look at the Australian government, the census, the ATO. That's our private data being spilled out. So my one key takeaway from that is don't ever assume your data is safe. These cloud services hosting your photos and your documents, and I won't name them, Dropbox and a few others, that data is sitting there in a cloud server unencrypted. It's available for anybody who has access to the back end or who leaves the front door open, which is happening in these cases. So same with social media. Now, don't put your data out there unless you're encrypting it yourself. That's, that's the final takeaway I would say for me is for that, for that anything that you release out of your private domain is out there and it can never be revoked either. Deleting a file off Dropbox doesn't actually delete it. Yeah, okay. All right. And what about from a physical security standpoint? You've invested you know, in your own home security with some firewalls and those sorts of things. Is there some off-the-shelf products that you're aware of that you know, people could look at to help protect themselves in that regard? There are a lot. I mean, any content filtering's big. Pi-hole's a free one you can use. Raspberry Pi can, can do these things for you, but um, anything with a subscription-based content filter will be helpful, and then a firewall, of course, but VPN all the time. So always have a VPN on at home, on your mobile phone, on your laptop, um, especially if you're using free Wi-Fi. Do not ever use free Wi-Fi at an airport or a cafe or on the road. Um, even your mobile phone on 4G, have a VPN connected all the time. That will greatly, greatly help your privacy. Uh, what's the, do you have a, are you just VPNing back into your home appliance or you, is, there a, is there a paid subscription? So I recommend two that I use and do pay for. The first is Proton VPN, which is the same guys who provide Proton Mail. Great company, hosted in Switzerland and PIA. So PIA is a VPN service that um, actually just was in the news yesterday, it held up in court um, 
that they had no, no disclosure. So they stood in front of the FBI and said, we cannot help this case, we have nothing to disclose. No logs, no user history, or anything. So these are the kind of services that me as a privacy person hold a lot of water. I think a, I think a very, very good way to end this podcast. Um, Armando, thank you so much for, uh, for this great guys. insight and this great conversation. Talton. Thanks for joining us, guys. We'll see you next Tuesday. See you next Tuesday, guys.